does not feel the butterflies in this huge moment of the baseball season. Outfielders are all the way in. The infielders up on the edge of the dirt. 1-0 the count. And the pitch to Slavens. Swing, ground ball, base hit, right center field. Brady Slavens sparks this team to Omaha. And the roadshow continues for the Arkansas Razorbacks. A 4-3 win come from behind style in the ninth inning. The Razorbacks dogpiling on the field here in Chapel Hill with their 11th trip to the College World Series. And you can call them the Omahaws. And we want to welcome you into another Hog Talk podcast. I am your host, Porter Hayes. Alongside me is Jacob Davis. We have a special guest tonight in Kyle Sutherland. And we are brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the final latest odds, news, sports, and developments, including this year's basketball championships, finals, NHL hockey, conference finals, Major League Baseball, and latest fighting news. And even last year's NFL futures. Bet online where the game begins. And guys, that was a incredible sound. Arkansas is going to Omaha again. We are brought to you Jacob Davis of Arkansas Fight, and he has a new venture coming up, which we will mention here in a second. And we want to welcome back Kyle Sutherland, aka high school sports now in the state of Arkansas with SB Live. Kyle, welcome back, brother. Hey, man, it's great to be back. I guess it's probably been now, gosh, three, four months since I've been on, uh, since I signed off there at the beginning of the year. It's it's great to be back and uh, talking with you guys. And, Jacob, hey, before we get started with the baseball talk, you just got on with Saturday Down South. So, hey, tell us about that, what you're going to be writing for, and then we'll jump into the action. Yeah, so I'll be writing news for uh, Saturday Down South. Uh, basically, the whole SEC, I'll cover all them. Uh, on certain shifts, and then I'll also be writing calls about the Razorbacks too. So, so it's an exciting time for me. Uh, it's a cool venture to be able to go from regional to kind of a national writer a little bit. It's kind of what I've been wanting to do my whole life. So it's a pretty cool opportunity. I'm, I'm blessed to say that I'm a, now a member of Saturday Down South. Well, congratulations to you, and now we'll get to it. I mean, guys, I got some crow to eat. I mean – we, we Two months ago, a month ago, we didn't think this team would get to Omaha. And I will gladly eat it, put some ranch on it, hot sauce on it, and and, and gladly eat it. I'm not going to get on here and, and be one of the bandwagon people that, you know, believed all along and congratulating them and acted like I was, you know, I didn't have doubts to begin with. And so I'll sit here and proudly say congratulations to the Razorbacks. 4-3 win, and I think we even had one of our, our buddies even predicted the final yesterday four to three so steve with nss we gotta give him a shout out he predicted the score and it would be in walk-off fashion so i gotta give him a quick shout out real quick but kyle we'll start with you and go to jacob just what was your initial thoughts of the the region the super itself and the possibility of who they might get matched up with in in omaha yeah, I, I think, first of all, you never get tired of hearing Phil Elson on those calls. You remember the famous one from 2019? I know that it, that one would have been a lot better had they had a better showing in Omaha instead of getting bounced after two games. But it, every time you hear a call like that, it's just especially going to Omaha as hard as it is to get there. I think that's one thing that we forget. Yes, I know Dave Van Horn doesn't have a national championship yet. I say yet with a hard emphasis on that. But the fact that they've been there now five of the past 10 years, as hard as it is to get there, that's phenomenal in itself. But I'm with you, Porter. I got to eat some crow as well. I told plenty of people. I didn't really say it a lot publicly, but in conversations, I told many that I just didn't think that they were going to get out of the regional. I thought that they had the talent, but the way that the end of the season was and then on into the SEC championship, I just didn't really feel very good about it. But they've proved us wrong, like you said. They're getting the bats going. They're pitching really well. How about Will McIntyre? Didn't even really show up last year. I don't think he he had but really maybe just a couple of games last year after playing in 2020-some before the season got shut down. But just the way that the pitching has come along, Connor Nolan, the way that he stepped up in his last two starts, uh, just, I mean, again, just incredibly phenomenal for what they've been able to do over the past couple of weeks. But as far as the opponent goes, I guess we're going to figure out, we don't know right now if it's going to be Stanford or UConn, but both two very dangerous teams. You saw what they did on Saturday night, that 13 to 12 game. They, uh, there's, I can't remember their, their star player for Stanford that had three home runs. Obviously they got, 
guys like him that can really make a lot of plays. And so uh, we're going to have, I mean, it's final eight teams. We're going to have a work cut out for us, but the SEC uh, is going to be well represented. And that just shows how tough the conference is, as we say every single year, the fact that they're going to be so well represented. And it's great to have our hogs there. I think we're missing a team. I, I, can't, I was looking through the notes, and I, I think we're missing a team we for sure thought was going to be in Omaha. I don't know where they're at. I can't find them on the schedule. Jacob, where are they at? Oh, man, this came across the facts. Just hot off the facts, man. Tennessee, here. Give us a bat flip. You're hell. Flip it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're not here. (laughs) It was amazing to me, you know, just seeing the DMs and how they were crying and, you know, well, Notre Dame wasn't showing class. I'm like, Welcome to the pot calling the kettle black. But, Jacob, we'll go back to you on that. What did you think of just how, you know, piggybacking off what Kyle said, just the region itself. And, of course, you know, it's going to be either UConn or Stanford. I think it's uh, Stanford's up 8-2 right now. And then it, it, uh, UConn won the first game. So, it'll be tied up 1-1 going in tomorrow. So, who are you thinking will come out of that? And, and what's your take on the region? Supers. I'm – I'm still going to pick Stanford. I feel like they're going to be too tough for UConn. UConn, they've had an incredible run throughout the uh, uh, NCAA tournament this season. I just feel like Stanford's going to have too much firepower, and and their pitching is just solid. They're the best team out of the Pac-12, in my opinion. Uh, And then, you know, when when I saw Brady Slavens, he was hitting those fastballs. He's the best fastball hitter on the team, in my opinion. The guy comes to play, and I said, this is, a, this is the best time of any Razorback hitter right now because Slavens can hit it. Uh, he has never found a fastball that he hasn't liked. He got that thing and chopped it, and I got chills. I said, Caitlin, we're about to score. I looked in the backseat. I, I said, we're, we're about to score here. Arkansas is going to win, and they're going to go to Omaha. Lo and behold, they did. And, you know, when, when uh, Thomas uh, Frick, uh, when he, he was uh, – Kind of a pass, kind of not not to the Rock Riggio level, but that guy he had a heck of a series, and he was the one that ended up tied and ended up helping uh, North Carolina go up, and and he was making play after play after play all weekend long, and you know Arkansas figured out you know defensively they they continued to make stops, continued to make stops, and then their bats were getting hot at the right time. I mean, you can't go wrong picking against the Razorbacks right now, and, and like Kyle, I was telling people. I didn't think Arkansas was going to be able to go to the uh, regionals and go and beat Oklahoma State. I didn't see it happening. I didn't see them going to the super regionals. I, I definitely didn't have them in Omaha. I thought they were going to be maybe win one game in the regionals and say call it a season. All right, we're we're good. And and Oklahoma State was tough. We sweated sweated it out through that weekend, and, and we were able to hardly sweat this weekend. So that was that was really good. We're going to go to Omaha, face Stanford or UConn, and. And it, it's going to be fun. It's going to be an entertaining uh, a deal. We don't have to see Tennessee there. Uh, I feel I don't feel bad for Tennessee because they gave us a lot of crap last year after Arkansas after Arkansas got knocked out in the Super Regionals and and you know they got knocked out in the same fashion as Arkansas did. So we'll see how it goes, man. But I'm proud to see the Razorbacks get to this point. Yeah, and it was the pitching. You know, we had said all year long. You know, the pitching, and and once you get past Connor and Lowland. Wiggins was testy. Everybody else passed Connor Nolan, and Connor Nolan even had, you know, times where he was getting touched up. And then you had Tiger and Smith and Zach Morris even come in. You know, you didn't know who was going to show up. And I, Jacob, we'll start with you on this one. Do you think the fact that they went on the road and had to go to Oklahoma State, they had to go to Chapel Hill in North Carolina, do you think the fact that they kind of got humbled in the fact that they didn't get to spin supers in their super regionals in Fayetteville and really had to work their way back up. I mean, what big of an impact do you think that had on them getting to where they are now? I feel like there's more resiliency with this team than there has been all season long. Uh, they, the impact that they had to go out there and prove themselves. And, and they're, they have this chip on their shoulders where they're going to have to go continue to go out there and prove themselves. And that's not a bad thing right now because last year they kind of got complacent. They thought, you know, they had 51 wins last season. They thought they could just walk through the NCAA tournament and walk through NC State, and that wasn't the case. And this year everybody was counting them out. There was a couple of people that said, yeah, they're a sleeper team, and they've been slept on. And, and they've been resilient all year long. 
And, and you said something about pitching just a minute ago, and I don't know what it is, but Bryant just produces a lot of – Saline County in general produces a lot of guys that can pitch the heck out of that baseball. And, and Will McIntyre is just another guy. And the pitching, they, they've seen their hard times. Uh, they've seen their good times throughout this NCAA tournament. But, yeah, I, to go back to my initial point, I think it's the resiliency with this team. That's what's impacted this team and lifted into Omaha. And, Kyle, I'll ask you, the fact that how last year ended, you know, you're kind of surprised that it even had this, we're, we're, what's going on with the team. You know, how NC State come into Baumwalker and really took their heart out and, and took their chance of going to Omaha when it was a sure thing. You think that with the talent they had coming back and the pitching coming back, you, you would think that they would be level-headed and not go into this woe so I mean, what do you think went into that? And then along those same lines of what I asked Jacob, you know, how much of the road helped them really? And and going forward to Omaha, do you think them going to Supers and then going on to Omaha, do you think that's going to be advantage to them? Yeah, I definitely do. And I'll say, I think this is now the Tennessee got bounced. That's the, we'll say the, that never gets old saying that, that they got bounced. But now that they're out, I believe that's the 22nd year in a row that the number one seed has not won the College World Series. And so I do think that that was one of the factors that, that came into the Razorbacks. Now, of course, all the stuff that happened won't give the uh, the credit to the person who talked down on Michael Turner, but I certainly believe that that had some to do with it. The team obviously rallied around him. That really motivated him. But another one that I really want to point out before I get to really answering your question is Peyton Stovall for what he's been able to do this postseason. Guy came in with really – unfair expectations I kind of feel like just because with the the SEC player of the year and how much he had on his shoulders and just really didn't play like we thought he would he could have signed a pro contract if he wanted to it was a pretty high draft pick and what he's been able to do and coming along the way that he has so was a, a big reason why that they're at the point that they are but to answer your question, I certainly believe that they looked at last year and they came in that game. They won, what was it, 21-2 to two in the first game against NC State. Now, up until that game, I didn't really feel like them having the target on their back was really that much of a factor because they won all those SEC series. They came in, took care of business in the regional, and then they took care of business in that game one against NC State. And I, I guess, you could, yeah, they got complacent. Obviously, Kevin Copps pitched a really good game in that one that he started, of course, there at the end, started to kind of fall apart a little bit. I guess you could say fall apart. I mean, he gave up a home run, but just wasn't the Kevin Copps that we knew. And so I think really once they got past that game one with NC State, it was like, okay, well, we can just go in. We're going to we pretty much have our bags packed. I, I think there's actually maybe been a player or two that's gone on record saying that, that they kind of felt like that they had their bags packed going to Omaha already. This year they didn't feel that way. They knew that they had their backs up against the wall coming out of the SEC tournament. And they use that as a chip on their shoulder. And I certainly think that not playing at bomb had a lot of, a lot of leeway on that as well, just because they're so used to playing, not just games there during the season and, and having great, uh, really great, um, you know, showing from the fans and all that, but also the fact that they are normally used to, I think it was the first time since 2015 that they didn't host any postseason there at bomb. And so that's unfamiliar territory for the Razorbacks. And I certainly believe that that was one of the reasons why they're in the position that they're in. And it's funny that you say the, the away and home and it, and we talk about, you know, being able to sleep in your own bed and that home field advantage. But it's like sometimes it's good to get away. It's sometimes it's good to go on the road because guess what? When you're on the road, your main focus is ball, meetings, and, and film. You don't have the luxury of being at home, getting distracted, or, or going out on the town or doing what you do in between games or practice. You're, you're actually in a hotel or wherever. So your main focus is, is, is solely on being in Oklahoma State or Stillwater, being in Chapel Hill, and now being in Omaha. I know it's going to be on a bigger stage, but it's like that has to do with the big advantage of a team like this that really in the position they were at where we didn't know where they were going to be two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we, you know, it, they went from for sure hosting a region to a two seed. But I think that fact that they had to really focus on where they're going to be and be on the road – now that made them on a mission. Of course, what you said about the the unintentional, intentional fire starter that started this whole thing, but it's it, it you know it, it always works out, and it seems like when something like that said, and it gives them fire to you know 
end up winning the Super Regional, it's almost like that was kind of worth it. And I think me and Jacob had talked about that last week was, was that intentional? Was that an intentional fire starter? Was he willing to eat that bullet to get this team going? We'll never know that. But it, it's something to kind of ponder and not taking anything away from what happened or giving that person any credit. But you have to kind of think is not senile, but is is egotistical as a person is. It's like, hey, I'm going to start this fire, and then he gets to take credit for it. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that really when it comes down to it, I, I've thought about that in the back of my mind is maybe what was this just something that they were, it was like a, I guess maybe like a baptism by fire type thing. You know, you knew that you were going to get a lot of heat for it. Obviously everybody was going to talk about it. They're still talking about it to this day, but I, I think kind of now at this point that, that I mean, yes, people are, uh, nobody's ever going to be okay with it. But at the same time, that's certainly in the bag, whether people are going to admit it or not. I guess I'm just now admitting it that, that I've thought about it. I've, I've thought about it really since the beginning. Like when I first heard it, I, I kind of thought that myself. Like, is this going to be maybe what exactly? And like you said, it's not the only thing. It's not the only factor. There's multiple things that, that have gone into it. But either way, regardless of what it was, all I know is, is that we are one of, or they are, I oh, got to stop using that we and us. <laughs> they are one of the final eight teams in the college world series and anything can happen now, especially yeah. with the way that they're playing. I feel better about, I, I sort of compared this team in a little bit of ways to the 2015 team. I know the 2015 team got things going a little bit quicker than this one did. They got it going about halfway through the season, as opposed to literally right as the postseason began, I guess, after the SEC tournament. But I feel a little bit better overall about this team across the board in terms of, of the hitting. Um, now the pin, we had some pretty good pitching in 2015 as well. I mean, of course, you had Jack, Zach Jackson there uh, as a, one of the great closers, one of the many great closers under DVH. But just across the board, I, there's, I mean, I don't really feel like, I mean, Tennessee, they were obviously saying that they were the best team in the history of college baseball and already basically crowning them national champs it's wide open. I, I just don't think that there's a team that you could point to right now and say, okay, they're the clear cut favorite. You never can really in the game of baseball, but it is anybody's game right now. And Jacob, I'll ask you a quick question. Do you think what happened to Tennessee this year is what everybody else was saying about Arkansas last year? You know, that, that just dominant team that goes down in the super regionals and they had a lot of confidence. They had a lot of poison like Kyle said, maybe some of them were already punching their ticket to Omaha. So do you think – what similarities do you see in last year's Arkansas team and this year's Tennessee team? Okay, so the home run hitting, the just beating everybody you were supposed to. Uh, Tennessee was – they were they were doing things at a rate that just hadn't been done before. They had, they had won so many games in a row, and I, I don't quite remember right now. And then last year's Arkansas team, they they were dominant all season long. They were they were uh, I think they beat like every single top fifteen there was possible to beat last year. So and then you know we had your pitching. Uh, you had that Ben Joyce guy for Tennessee that was just shutting everybody down, and he was even you know having you know uncharacteristic nights uh, this this past weekend against Notre Dame. And then you know you had that Kevin Cop stuff. I mean. And then the one night Kevin Cops is off was the like the eighth inning of that 115 pitching uh, 115 pitch performance that night against NC State, which you know it wore him down last season, and and ended up you know keeping Arkansas from the College World Series. But you know it was kind of like you know it was weird how this I didn't see Tennessee not making the College World Series because I thought they were better than Arkansas's team last year. It's just weird how it all played out. I didn't see them losing to Notre Dame, but I thought after they lost the first one, I said they may be in trouble, and they were. I didn't see – I see offensive side, I will agree. They did not have the pitching that – they didn't have a Kevin Copps. They didn't have somebody that just come in no. and shut you down. They was beating everybody with their offense, you know. But Scott Norman brings up a great point. Give DVH a lot of credit. He took a lot of criticism and made all the right moves. Again, what we were all saying, and there, the, the masses were, is DVH's time up, and then he got, you know, where he got sick or wasn't at the game. I mean, all these speculations come around, and it's almost like, guys, I'm playing chess while everybody's playing checkers. 
you know, he, he had this plan, and you were talking about that, that fire starter. I would love to be a fly on the wall, and I want y'all to, one at a time, answer. If you was a fly on the wall, what do you think was said when he had that come to Jesus, shut the door, media not allowed, nobody other than him and his team and coaching staff? What, what do you think was that final straw and what he said to this team to get them going? That's a good question. I'll, 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 I'll go first, Kyle. But uh, I feel like he was in the locker room after after that loss to Florida in the SEC tournament. He says, look, guys, we're a good team and we're not a great team. And there had to be some kind of switch that he flipped. And I think he might have said something like this. Guys, we're better than this. We had the defensive ability to go out there and shut people down. We've got the pitching. Our bullpen is deep. We've got defensive players at every single position. If we can just flip this hitting, go out there and put the hitting and the pitching and and bring them together at the same time, we're going to do things. And and DDH took it on. He took a chip on his shoulder there because during the uh the loss to Oklahoma State, the the night before they it was the game 2 of that of against Oklahoma State. And people were, were criticizing him. And I guarantee you, he said, I don't give a crap. And he's probably throwing chairs in the locker room. And he says, we're going to go out there and we're going to beat these guys. And, and I think that's probably what happened. I don't really know the perfect explanation for what happened. I'll let Kyle expand on what he thinks. The thing is going to be, quite honestly, better than my answer here. But, but I feel like he, he kind of encouraged these guys especially at the SEC tournament and use that Michael Turner, that Michael Turner clip over and over and over again as bulletin material and says, go out there and prove these guys wrong. Prove him wrong. Yeah. If I was a fly on the wall, I could see this possibly like the, the chairs being thrown, like Jacob mentioned. I think that that might've happened possibly during the regular season when things were really starting to fall apart there against them, the A&M series and the, the Alabama, especially the Alabama series, for sure. I mean, A&M is a really good team. They're in the World Series. Alabama is not a good team. And what happened there was just completely unacceptable. And I think that there was maybe some chair throwing, some things with some words said that we can't repeat on here. But I feel like once we got to the postseason, that's what DVH kept saying. I believe it was after game one of the, of the regionals. He just said, look, it's all about us. We don't really care about anything else right now. It's all about us. And I think that's probably what he said. What, one thing that I've noticed, and, and guys, we've interviewed quite a few of his former players on this show throughout the years, and kind of this, the overwhelming consensus that I've come to is what you see is what you get with him. He's very calm in the dugout, just really always the same. Occasionally he'll get onto an ump or whatever, but he's always pretty much the same guy. And that's apparently for the most part, the way that he is behind closed doors. So I feel like once they got into the postseason, yes, I'm sure that clip was probably played of what was said about Michael Turner, probably a couple of other things as well. Maybe showed him a motivational movie or something like that. But I, I just think that he probably looked at him and he said, guys, look, it's a brand new season. Everybody's O and O right now. It's all about us. Don't worry about the outside noise. Don't read Twitter. If you do read it, don't really don't respond to it. Don't care what they say, all that. And it was just that simple to me. I feel like he just calmly said, but calmly, but sternly got his point across and said, look, it's a brand new season. Let's go do our thing and not care about anything else. Yeah. And what I got from it was, you know, at the beginning of the year, Dave Van Horn come out and said that he thought this was going to be the best offensive lineup he's ever had. And I think he kind of, in a way, was was saying, You're, we're good, but we're not great. I think part of it was taking ownership for what he said back then and, and, and kind of planting that seed of, hey, we're going to be the best offensive lineup we had. And then you've you got to look at who you've had in the past with, with Zay and, you know, with uh, Cops. And Blaine Knight, you know, you've been kind of spoiled with knowing that you can put a guy out there and some point in the season, they're going to take care of itself. It's going to take care of itself. And I think that Alabama series was the turning point of him of, all right, I've got to step in. You're so used to having such a veteran leadership role player, and this is nothing 
against Nolan. This is no dig at him at all. It's just you don't have that senior leadership like you had in a Kevin Copps. You didn't have the leadership like a Isaiah Campbell. Somebody who would really put this team on the back end, but they were really good. I mean, 14-1, and 13-0, and 0, and then Copps, you know, all-world national player of the year. You know, you can't expect Nolan to be that. You know what I'm saying? And I think that he was trying to let this team fix itself, and then after that debacle, because it was like, you know, you're getting to the end of the season, and me and Jake was sat here saying, all right, look, it's getting close to postseason time. This team knows what's on the line. You know, they were at the point where they were going to get to host a super regional. Well, that went out the door. Then they were like, all right, we're going to host a regional and then have to go to a super regional. That went out the door. And I think that turned at the Alabama series because that was a team that was in the bottom of the SEC and they beat them. And I think that's like what y'all said. Let's shut the doors. Let's lock it up. Send Hogs Plus to the road for a minute. We're going to have a deep, in-depth talk. You know, we're not going to have anybody following us. Cameras off. And he 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 broke the Bible out. <laughs> you know, Book of Dave Van Horn said, "Let's go." You know, and, and he said that this. You know, when they made it to the regionals and they got that win against Oklahoma State, it lit that fire. Like he was lighting that kindling. And when they beat Oklahoma State in that game, first game. I think this fire started growing. They started believing in themselves. I think they had a lot to do with it. I think when they got beat by Alabama, they lost a lot of belief. They're like, I don't know. I mean, you can ask, hold some some of them players down and think, you know, would they be where they are right now? And how many of them players would say, yes, we had full confidence that we would be in Omaha? And I think that's what I started off the show with is just taking full ownership of what I said. I'm not going to be one of these chest bumpers and saying I knew this was going to happen all along. So I think that fire has been built, and let's see what they can do in, in Omaha. And, and if they do go up against the Stanford, they got a stud. I think he's in right field. I think me and Cabo and, and Kyle was talking about it. I mean, just he's a major league prospect stud, and I can't think of his name right offhand, but I remember we had some kind of conversation. But it's, it's more than likely, you know, it, it's 8-2 bottom of the eighth right now. But, man, it's just – I'm proud of this team. I'm proud of, you know, you are one of them programs that you're expected to be at the top, like an Alabama, a Kentucky basketball, an Alabama football, and they kind of slipped a little bit. But you know what? They could have easily gave up. They could have easily thrown in the towel. Let's just go next year. But you know what? They didn't, and they clicked. It's almost kind of similar to what NC State was last year. You know, nobody thought they would make it to the College World Series. They went into the Baumwalker Stadium, took two out of three from Arkansas, and, and then went to Omaha. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with what they've been given. And, and what, what are y'all's thoughts of the fact that they know what it's like to lose in the Supers. They know what it's like to be, you know, people on social media gunning for them and, and really turning on them, I guess, in a way, and now given that second life. What do you think they're going to do with you know, that second life, and how far do you really see them? We'll start with Kyle. How far do you see them going in Omaha? Well, like you said it just a second ago, I think that it's wide open. Uh, if you would have asked me this even after the uh, the Oklahoma State series, I probably would have said, you know, maybe win a game or so. I don't I don't see them going 0-2 like in 2015 or 2019. I do not see them going over and then coming home really quick. I, I feel like that they're going to definitely put up a good fight and they'll at least get to, you know, they might have to cruise through the win, the losers bracket, but if that is to happen, I, I still think that they're going to continue to build on what they've already shown us. But I, I definitely think that they have, and they've pretty much admitted that they've used some of the fuel from Twitter that have been from our own fan base. I mean, like Porter, just like you said a second ago, talking about how, you know, not not bumping your chest and all that stuff. I think that probably 95 or maybe even higher than that percent of this fan base would probably say the same thing. And, and there's very few that still believe. Now, in the back, I always try, especially, uh, and I always go back to that 2015 team in any sport, especially the last couple of years in basketball when things weren't going really well and then must took them on those elite eight runs. I always go back to that 2015 team because unlike with college football, you've, you you have one or two hiccups and you're basically done, at least in terms of competing for it all. In basketball or baseball, that's not the case. And so when you've got a, a veteran like DVH that's proved it time and time again, been to the World Series this many times, been deep in the postseason this many times. I certainly still believe that they're going to continue to build on what they have done 
And again, I'm not saying that they're going to win it all. Can they? Yeah, it's a crapshoot. But I, I think they're going to at least have a good showing, whether that may be just one win. We're going to be very proud of these guys by the time that this is all said and done, whether they're hoisting the trophy or not. Yeah, and I agree with that, Kyle. I think they – I don't think they go 0 for 2. I think they they could very well go, depending on the matchup, because Stanford's going to be tough. And, and if they lose to Stanford and go and and play in, through the loser's bracket, I think they can they can get out. I mean, they're, when their backs have been against the wall throughout this postseason, they have they have answered. When they were down 10 to 5 and I turned the TV off and I said, they're just – it's done. It's over. They're, they're not going to do it. They, they have proven me wrong. That big, huge comeback, and they ended up winning 16 to 12. They go out and they, they yeah, they lose by eight the next night, but they come back and win 20 to 12 and close out the regional. And then they never really were behind at all this weekend. They, they played out front. They, they outsmarted. They, they uh, pitched really well. Uh, shout out again to Will McIntyre. These guys, they're, they're stepping up at the right time. And, and it's all about matchups in the College World Series. And Stanford may not be a very good matchup, but Arkansas, can they can contain them. They contained Oklahoma State, who I think have one of the most explosive offenses in the country outside of Tennessee. So, obviously, I think Arkansas has a chance here to, to do some things in the College World Series and maybe even make a run to the uh, championship final. Well, and you look at today. Look at today's game. I mean, last inning, North Carolina goes up. You know, they, they put it – they go up. You're like, oh, my – you know – well, here we go. We're going to a game three. And it's that's the thing about this fight that I think is different in this team is they've been cornered. I think they've been cornered by the fans. They've been cornered by the coach. They've been cornered by themselves to go out and produce. And you see what happens, any kind of animal when you're cornered, they're going to fight to the end. And they proved that today with that that shot, you know, bases or the base hit that scored – the winning run, 4-3. You know, to win in walk-off fashion when you're coming up to your last at bat down a run and you keep on, like Oklahoma State in that game where, I mean, you're looking at football scores and you're coming into this region where you're like, man, it's like it, – but you also go to a different ballpark. North Carolina's ballpark was a lot different, and, and that was been said on a lot of the broadcast with, with between Phil and Bubba. You know, they were talking about how many balls – were hit in North Carolina at Chapel Hill that would have went out in in, in right, and still the Razorbacks too. So, so, so it's an, you never know what, what's going to happen when it comes to playing in it. And then we go to Omaha. That's a different stadium, so they're going to have to learn kind of a different way to play. And then hopefully, you know, they're pitching. But you got to look at the matchups just like you do against. Um, in the supers, who you're matched up with, and you look at Stanford and then whoever's yeah. left, it's it's not a it's a double elimination time. So it's almost like we said softball. Somebody's got to beat you twice, and then when you get to the championship series, you got to beat you twice again. So, but we are up against a break. When we come back from the break, we got Kyle Sutherland. We are going to talk about his time this year with Scoreboard Live, what they've done with high school baseball, softball, and what is going to be coming up for next year with his gridiron icons and softball and Scoreboard Live coming up after the break. Shelby Taylor Trucking serves all your timberland needs in south-central Arkansas. With over 50 years in the industry, Shelby Taylor Trucking has established themselves as trustworthy leaders in the industry. From planting to harvesting to hauling your timber, Shelby Taylor Trucking is ready to serve you. Follow them on all social media platforms at Shelby Taylor Trucking. Learn more by visiting their website at staylortrucking.com. That's staylortrucking.com. Dot com. McCoy Tiger Drug Store of Sheridan, Arkansas has been the top pharmacy in all of South Central Arkansas since 1895. They were also the 2020 Good Neighbor Pharmacy of the Year. They not only fix you up with your prescription with timely and friendly service, but also an elite gift shop. All your OTC needs, baby and wedding registries, tuxedo rentals, and much more. They are located at 821 North Rock Street in Sheridan. Give them a call today at 870-942-5121. And, guys, we want to welcome you back to episode number 251 of the Hog Talk podcast. And we are always presented to you. All of our live shows are presented by Arkansas Brewing Company in Ozark, Arkansas. So go down to beautiful downtown Ozark and see 
Chris and Destiny Brockett down there. They're always having a prime rib special on Thursdays, live music, all the good food and drinks. But, Kyle, you know, since you've kind of departed from your co-host role here at the Hog Talk, um, I think you've been busier than ever. Uh, you had a, 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 a – between your family life and um, work life and what you're doing at uh, School Board Live, uh, kind of fill us in, fill the fans in that who have not – you know, they've been under a rock for the past year, what you've been going on with your family life and, and what you got going on with you and Cabo in School Board Live. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I'll I'll respectfully correct you here. It's a very it's a common mistake. It's scorebook live. Scorebook live. It, okay. Well, it's called it's called scoreboard by many people. It's it's I understand. It makes sense. You know, it makes more sense than scorebook. But yeah, scorebook live is the name. Uh, and they, we're now in. I believe it's twenty. We just expanded into uh, uh, Iowa and Nebraska. I had to think about that for a second. But just expanding into Iowa and Nebraska, our regional editor, my boss, uh, also my mentor, Nate Olson, he is our regional editor for Arkansas and now his home state of Iowa and Nebraska. He picked up those states and then gave that uh, what he initially had, Oklahoma and Missouri. That has now been taken over by Buck Ringgold, which would probably be a familiar name to many people. Uh, But basically, yeah, like you said, uh, I had a baby girl born on April 2nd. My wife, uh, we were going to, she probably should have had her on the first, or at least we thought that because that's what it it was looking the route that it was going to go. We didn't want to have an April Fool's baby if we could help it. So uh, end up going in and she was born on the second and it's been the greatest thing ever. Of course, I've got uh, two uh, bonus girls as well that are 10 and seven. So that's kept me very busy. But yeah, I started full time. Basically, it all started uh, with this show. The, this, the Hog Talk has obviously provided all of us multiple opportunities. Jacob, you talked about your gig with Saturday Down South. And of course, you ended up going to Arkansas Fight. I know that, that this was a, a big, uh, you know, a proponent of getting you to that point. And one thing that got me into Scorebook Live was I just last year, Porter, you remember that I would do the the high school segments each year, each week during football season. And I asked Nate Olson to come on. I'd known who he was, but we didn't really talk a whole lot. And I, I asked him to come on for a segment, and then he got on the subject of trying to start a podcast for the Arkansas market. But nobody really knew how to do all that, the editing and stuff like that. So I said, yeah, I'll do it for you. And kind of turned into a little bit of writing here and there, and then basically it turned into a full-time gig deal. And so I do that along with some other things as well, kind of just freelance stuff. But it's just been great. Yes, the whole work-from-home thing is, is obviously really good, especially with gas prices right now. It's definitely been a blessing from that regard. But just being able to spend time, help my wife. So she doesn't go crazy. Um, she goes back to work one. She works remotely as well, but she goes back to work on on, uh, June 21st. I think it is at least for one day a week. So it'll be me and the baby by myself. So please, uh, send thoughts and prayers for that. But overall, yeah, it's just kind of, uh, as far as actually the scorebook live side of it, it's been amazing. You know, I handled a lot of the basketball stuff. I pretty much pretty like handled all the softball stuff on my own, which was stressful, but fun at the same time. We recently just released our, our all state teams and we're having for our podcast, Arkansas prep extra where Cabo and I are doing a series of the state, the winning state championship baseball and softball coaches. So we've got a couple more weeks left of that. Of course he handles the baseball. I handle the softball, but it, it's just been such a blessing because yes, I'm doing what I love, what I'm passionate about, but just the amount of kids that it has reached, you know, to get them exposure. I've had such great feedback from parents, from athletes, from coaches, and just the fact that, you know, like a lot of them, especially in the small towns, did not get really any exposure unless you make the state championship, then you get covered by everybody. But that's our goal. You know, we, we've got incredible media members and media outlets all across the state who do a fantastic job but we just kind of wanted to bring something a little different and we and i feel that we have done that and so um you know shouts to to everybody who is who does their job in terms of you know giving our athletes their due exposure but you know i'm blessed to be able to be to be one of those that's able to do that and it's just been great so far and we're definitely looking forward to the new school year that's coming up here in the next couple of months and I can contest that. What little hell help was was able to help out with what y'all were doing with the softball side of it and connecting with some of these coaches and the, the parents that would just reach out to me, you know, and I had l- very little to do with this, you know. And they were like, thank you for the coverage. Thank you for the coverage. You know, you're, you're getting these people that are involved. And you've done an article or, or an interview or an article on the Bentonville coach. And I really want you to talk about, you know, the, the impact that Arkansas softball and their success 
And that really struck me coming from one of the best programs in the state for him to notice. And I'd kind of brought it up to Coach Difel about, did she think that the success of her team was going to translate into the high school game? And when you have one of the state's top coaches acknowledging that, that really struck me. So kind of talk about just this year's softball team in general and the impact that they could really have on, on high school softball moving forward. Yeah, so just a little history on Ken Early. He's I, I know that Bentonville has won five softball state championships since 2016. Now, I'm not exactly sure. He has a few more on top of that. But his dad, Alvy, has more collegiate wins than any coach in all of college athletics in the history of Arkansas. Now, Alvy uh, passed away about two or three years ago. But at UAM, between women's basketball and softball, he had like a almost 1,200 total wins, which is, like, like I said, DVH is coming close to that. But – as of now, that's more collegiate wins than any coach in the history of any sport in Arkansas. So, obviously comes from a really good pedigree there. He's got a girl that's committed to play Casey Wood, his third baseman and, also, and pitcher. She is committed. She's a 23, going to play for the Razorbacks, and he sent – I can't even tell you how many kids to Division One colleges, just colleges in general, but – he, he talked about in that, and I, and I put the clip on face on my Facebook page and also my Twitter, just talking about how, like you said, Porter, the success of Lady Razorbacks, the way that they've been able to uh, do what they have in softball, but also, yes, them making the Super Regional win in that game, being one game away from the World Series, has been massive, as Coach Early said in that clip. But it's also Williams Baptist. Now, I think I think they've struggled a little bit over the last couple of years, but they've had a really good program. Some of these smaller Arkansas Tech, Washington Baptist, there's multiple. And, of course, what UAM. UAM was probably really the trendsetter of of softball in Arkansas, dating back to what Albie Early did, you know, with the fast started with slow pitch, and then it got into fast pitch more so about 20 years ago or so. But the surges of UCA as well, what they've been. I mean, they, they beat LSU this year. Yeah, UCA is also on its way up as well. They started playing. They were pretty good when I was there under David Coon. David Coon came there my freshman year in 2008, and I think he just retired like last year or a year or two ago. Or I don't know if he retired or left or whatever, but he, he did a really good job there. Yeah, so UCA played really well this year. And so, yes, U of A is, has done really well, but there's, there's other colleges too that are giving girls opportunities. But the fact that you've got the, the, you know, the Tulsa elites, the firecrackers, the top guns, all those teams, uh, the Casey peppers, which is what, who Casey Wood plays for up there that I just mentioned, all these travel teams have just done a great job of getting exposure. And that's what I'm trying. Now we don't really cover. I mean, I'll, I'll retweet some stuff from the travel teams and all that, but we don't really cover uh, anything that's that, unless it's, you know, authorized by the triple a and all that. But I say all that to say that that's pretty much what I wanted. I mean, Porter, you've been there pretty much. I'll also give you the credit. I mean, you've been the reason that I, and I, I, it's not that I've not liked girls sports growing up. I just didn't really watch them because they weren't very well covered for the most part. And the games weren't really on TV. We've seen the ratings for the women's college world series, all the amazing. records that were shattered this year. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. amazing. And so, and of course too, you know, having three girls, uh, you know, no two, my, my older two are not really athletic, don't really care in athletics, but I would imagine my, my youngest Lucy, who's, who is 10 weeks now, she will probably be a, a sports junkie if she's not an athlete, just because she's going to be around it, of course, all the time. But if she wants to be a chess player or whatever, I'll support that too. But it's just the fact, I think you see it differently when you, and Jacob, you can relate to this. I think you see it kind of differently when you're the dad of a girl, you know, just the fact that, um, you know, they don't get the coverage that that men's sports do, but we're on our way to, to, to helping that. And when we've helped that, I mean, Porter, you've been a big part of that. I've, I've been a, been able to play a part of it and at the high school level and some with the hog talk as well. And so just that sport in general, um, you know, it's definitely taken off a lot, but Cabo, you know, he's not here to talk about it, but just the, what he did with baseball, uh, especially at the high school level, he's been covering it and or really, you know, I guess you could say covering it and coaching it for a long time. And so, the exposure that we've been able to bring to spring sports has just been a blessing overall. And, you know, I'm, like I said, that's just our first year of doing it. And so hopefully once we get into year two and beyond, it's going to get even better. Yeah, I agree with that because I'll, you know, credit Cabo because I was listening to him on the, on the buzz and his segments way before I ever knew him and then met him. The guy has always done fantastic work and he knows the baseball inside and out. With, with not just the Razorbacks, but on the high school scene too. 
he does a great job. And, and Kyle, you've done an incredible job going over there to softball and women's basketball. I actually enjoyed your coverage throughout the state tournaments of, of the basketball and softball throughout the season. I think you did also cover soccer this uh, spring too, didn't you? I did a few games, and I'll be honest with you, I was sweating about it. Um, it actually turned out really well. So the first, kind of a, a quick history. So these were the first two games, and I, and I sort of know the game of soccer, but I'd be lying if I said that some of the guys from the ADG didn't help me with it. But uh, shout out Mitchell Gladstone and – and uh, Sam, oh my gosh, I forgot his, his last name. Forgive me. Sam, he, he's one of the new guys that took Adam Cole's place. Uh, but but they both were f- fantastic in helping me with that. But the first one between Harding Academy and Episcopal, I actually uh, th- basically turned that into a, like a feel-good. So, I mean, yes, I talked about Harding Academy's win, um, but there was kind of some behind-the-scenes stuff where the MVP – her grandpa had uh, just been taken off life support so that her family was obviously going through some really tough times. And the coach who actually was really close with that girl, pretty much that, that uh, Callie Chitty was her name. And, and she is like a daughter to the coach. Well, the coach had lost her mother back in December. And so, you know, they were kind of each other's, uh, they were, they lifted each other up. were kind of each other's uh, constant, you know, in terms of support and everything. So it was a really cool story right there. But uh, yeah, that was one of the two soccer games that I covered. We kind of all just alternated, but I mean, that's another thing too, is I got to learn about other sports that I don't know a ton about, you know, I watched the world cup and all that, but other than goal and, you know, the yellow cards and red cards and all that, I don't know a ton about the game. And so being able to learn that, but also learning more about softball too, you know, I mean, I, I kind of learned, you know, how, how you throw an effective right now. I can't do it, but I kind of learned too, how you throw an effective rise ball, how you, how you throw an effective curve, stuff like that. And so just being able to learn more about the game and, and learning about these kids and their background, it's just been a lot of, a lot of fun. Yeah, and something like that, the, the parents enjoy it. You know, they love saying things about their kids, and all of us are parents. We know, you know, if it was something said about our kids and, you know, people taking time out of their day to not just – and when we mean take time out of their day, we really cover it. We really have a passion for it. It's not just post a score and move on. We get connected with these parents and coaches and players and – travel ball coaches, and it really changes our lives. I mean, this thing three years ago, I didn't expect it to be where we are today. Um, you know, we've heard all the comments that we've all three dealt with in dealing with women's sports, and I'm telling you the growth, and I've said this many times on here uh, about the fans' acceptance of the programs and when they win uh, opposed to three years ago when you post something about the soccer team or softball team and it's like, so what, it's a women's sport or put them on the men's baseball team. I bet they couldn't hit a home run to now. It's like great job, you know, and for us to have that part in it and to have the, you know, that pride of knowing what we did. And, you know, it brings up that comment that I kind of took to heart. You know, it's like you, we all have trolls. We all have these people who say dumb things, but it's like what we've done the past three years and four, it, and just one comment. I know I took it too far, but you know, for it you to come after what we have a passion in, it hits different. Yeah, it, it truly hits different. And I'm I say this on this recording, what I did to that gentleman and and how I reacted to him, I don't have any regrets because you're not going to come after what we have built here at the Hog Talk. Yeah. And I would do the same thing if somebody come after Kyle and said that, well, you don't cover all the softball or volleyball. Why aren't you posting this score, Jacob? You know. Jacob doesn't do this and that. I would come to y'all's aid just like I defended myself because, you know, you take pride in it. You know, this mm-hmm. is a hobby. This is something we do once a week on a live show, but it's you don't see the behind the scenes of, like, Kyle, how many countless hours and how many times you've told me you fell asleep at, at the laptop doing a story. Yeah. Jacob, you're trying to have a new daughter, and you've got a story. Now you're writing for Saturday Down South. You know, it's a never-ending cycle that you're talking about people getting respect that I think – People like y'all should get more respect too, because they don't they don't understand what goes behind writing an article and, and interviewing and editing and make and then sending it to your editor to make sure it's good. Well, and I want to add to something that I wanted to make sure that I that I added to this episode is I was thinking about how you guys just did the 250th episode last week. I think I came on, Jacob. You might remember more than me. I, I remember one of y'all might remember more than me. I think I came on like around episode 60 something. Like, I know I was here for 
100 and all that. But the fact that this is still going and, you know, obviously you guys don't do this for a living. You got some great sponsors that, you know, help keep the show going, but you don't do this for a living. It says a lot about you guys and a lot about the hog talk in general, the fact that you're still keeping the continuity because, and, and I'm not taking a shot at anybody whatsoever. This is not intended to be that, but think about all the podcasts that started right around the time the hog talk did maybe a little before a little bit after most of those aren't going. And again, it's not, I don't think it's because those people that did those weren't talented. It's, it's nothing to do with that. It's just the fact that life gets in the way. You got to start cutting out hobbies sometimes, but the fact that the hog talk has still made it to this point, I mean, that just says so much right there, you know, and, uh, and Porter, I'll say this real quick and I'll let you guys go, but uh, talking about, you know, the difference that it makes for an athlete, I'll single her out because I'm going to, I'll have a feature story coming out over her pretty soon, but there's a girl named Carly Burrow from Green County Tech, really great pitcher, made our all-state team. She's uh, when it was an all-state pitcher through the AAA as well, but of course, Green County Tech was the 5A state champion, or they were the 5A state runner-up to Benton. Benton beat a lot of people, you know, finished number three in the nation, awesome team. Well, Carly had an outstanding season, had a really good season at the plate, in the circle, but last year she didn't play because she broke her ankle in a basketball injury, so she was out for the entire year, didn't play travel ball, anything like that. Then, of course, her ninth grade year, she, w- she was behind two girls that are now pitching in college, but obviously we know that the season got shut down like three or four games in. So her mom sent me a, a very, very nice message that I very much appreciated, you know, thanking us for the coverage. And she kind of told me that coming into the season, Carly was down. And as you would imagine, it's human nature. You don't, you don't get to play your freshman season because of COVID. And then you're, you're coming in as the starter, the girl, your junior year is pretty much throwing all the innings and she comes out and plays lights out. And, and after really having not a lot of self-esteem coming into the year, but she said because of some of the stuff, and it wasn't just us, but a lot of the stuff that we did really helped give her confidence and hearing that from media, you know, about her doing a good job. So that's just one example that I can point out, you know, so it's, it's definitely making, you know, if we make a difference in one kid's life, then that's, that's enough for me, but it's definitely helped a lot. Yeah. And showing like, it goes back to what I said, showing you truly care if they, you know, and parents, if, if these kids are D1 athletes or they're D2 athletes or college athletes, they get contacted by coaches and prospects and all that. They they can see through the BS. And if yeah. they can tell, and I've met a couple of parents of, of the high schoolers that are wanting to come to Arkansas, and I've seen the difference that they've made, and they watch these games and they idolize these players that play for Arkansas, and they want to be that, you know. And there's a couple of girls that are committed to Arkansas and want to be committed to Arkansas that just sit there and, and so, yeah, it means a lot when they look at these things and they're like, it, it makes them care about rankings. It makes them care about why did they put us here and there. I'm offended. We should have been five instead of three because that makes it makes them known that they're paying attention. You know, no, if nobody's talking about your publication, they don't care. But when you put out a publication and they start caring, you know that you are starting to make it. And I want to – I wish Cabo was here for real – because I wanted to bring y'all on specifically. I've told y'all this in many a group chats, but I wanted to say on this platform, like, I admire what y'all have done for this state. I admire what you've done for the sports that you have a passion for. You, you left the hog talk to go follow your dreams. And I even joked to Jacob about, you know, we're talking about the Belichick coaching tree. Look at the coaching tree that the hog talks had. And what all of us are doing now, we all started on this podcast and now we're all doing what we love aside of this podcast. And, you know, it's truly amazing. And just how I've had that passion for women's sports for 30, almost 25 years now, and to see how it's growing in Arkansas now, it's truly been amazing. And, you know, it, it we still got a ways to go. I mean, there, there's been a lot of change in this year and the past couple of years, but we still, when it comes to the grand scheme of what we want to do, we still got an uphill climb to, to go with this, and we would love to see other publications really kind of get behind what we're wanting to do. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, I echo that. I, I'll always be indebted to, to the hog talk. I mean, you, what you guys did and what it did for me, you know, it's uh, certainly something I'll never forget. Well, well, we brought up a video, and I talked to Jacob about last week, of you and Jacob at the hog pen, and it was on YouTube when I was trying to start the YouTube channel. <laughs> And it was inside the hog pen of you and Jacob sitting and it looked like y'all was at a bar stool. And so you wasn't here for last week's episode. So I'll let you answer this and then we'll go to Jacob and kind of wrap it up. But 
when you did that interview with Jacob and you sat there on that bar stool, I mean, what did you envision that would become of that? And did you, what did you see now where we're at, where you're at compared to where you're at then? Oh, man, things, golly, man, we could do a whole series on this. So at that time, I'll try to keep it as short as I can. At that time, as you guys know, I was living in San Antonio. I was home for Christmas. And actually, Jacob and I had connected two, I think it was two months prior to that. He, I had kind of been reading some of this because this was at the time when the hog pen was still just a blog. It was not, this was a few months before the podcast started. And I, I reached out to him because he put, I remember seeing on Twitter that he was looking for writers. And at this time I was doing text hogs. I, I really had maybe a hundred, 200 followers. Wasn't really well known at all. And so I, I reached out to him and said, Hey, you know, I'm trying to build my brand a little bit. I'd love to write for you. And so I, I wrote a few articles for him and then I told him I was coming to town for Christmas and we did a lot with that live show. I remember it was a nasty, nasty rainy night um, that I drove down to Sheridan. But to be honest with you at that time, I really didn't think it would ever come past a hobby. Now I've told you guys, and one of these days I'll probably open up, you know, publicly uh, to some of the things that I've talked about, about how the hog talk got me through literally about the hardest time of my life for about a, you know, a year, year and a half stretch. But at that time, that was kind of when a, about all that was beginning. I was, I wanted to come home, but you know, it still took me about two years, about a year and a half or so later to do so. But I really didn't think that I would ever do this for a living. I certainly didn't think that. And this was, I mean, yeah, like Jacob and I were partnered up, but we weren't, you know, doing a podcast together or anything like that. I was mainly just writing for him. And so, um, yeah, I mean, that was a big part of it too, was get, was getting connected with him and all that. But, I, I did not ever dream that it would get to this. I mean, the fact that we've been on three networks, you know, between Believe and then uh, ESPN Arkansas and and uh, the Buzz. I mean, two of the top the top two radio networks that our content has been on there. Um, just man, I still have to pinch myself sometimes thinking about it. Yeah. So when that December, it was December twenty eighth, twenty twenty eighteen, yeah. and it was it was rough. It was a rough time uh, with Razorback and, and we were just trying to figure out what to talk about because really besides recruiting that was about it and then you know our uh, basketball wasn't going the way it was we were hoping it uh, would it was Mike Anderson's last season as basketball head coach and so we were just trying to scrape for content and it ended up turning from like a 30 hour or 30 minute show to to a whole hour man it was a good one if, if my memory corrects man and I turned it on the tv hidden here in the living room the other night and Caitlin's like Kevin's like, what are you doing? I'm like, watching this. Because Porter brought it up. I totally forgot about it. So I started watching it, and I'm like, I can't watch myself. I can't listen to myself. I'm the biggest critic. I, I just can't do it. <laughs> I just feel like a, a, a bumbling idiot that, uh, uh, when I rewatch myself. But, uh, you know, it was really great being able to connect with Kyle. Uh, man, he really he opened doors for me, and I will be grateful uh, to him forever. Just for uh, he he you know brought up the and elevated this hog talk brand to what it is now. The the guy took something that was just a small part of the Razorback Nation to say and elevated it to a point where I never saw it being when I left about ninety shows in to pursue Arkansas fight and then now what it is now is just something. And where he has gotten and and brought it you to Porter, where y'all have brought this podcast to, is something that I never would have expected. I think what done a great job. I think what complimented everybody was everybody brought their A game. Kyle and Cabo and Jacob, y'all made me want to be better at what I wanted to cover. And it's almost like like the thing we were a family, but yet everybody had their own passion and their own thing that they could bring to it, and truly their own thing that they wanted to bring to the podcast and that meshed. And, you know, you're looking at something that you're putting a puzzle together and you just need those couple of pieces for everything to come together. And I think when all that come together and we finally got everything going and clicking and covering things and then was able to branch out to high school softball, baseball, college baseball, really to elevate baseball in general, you know, what it did for the baseball game and what Cabo did what Kyle did for the Razorbacks and, and just getting the guests and getting on us on believe and, you know, you know, ESPN Arkansas. And now with the buzz, you know, all the connections that we've made, you know, I will never, we're like, like I said, it's like a brotherhood and, and, and I will never 
be able to repay what you've done for me and what I've been able to do carrying this thing forward. And and it's just one of the things that we we had the 250 episode and, and stuff, but, you know, I want to help continue as much as we can to bring up that, you know, the, the gridiron icons. We even talked about that. You know, you, you and the high school coaches and stuff like that. So we'll end it on this. We're wrapping up an hour. Kyle, uh, of course, everybody knows you from the hog talk, but also what we bring up with the gridiron icons. Where can people really hear your your gridiron icons? And if there's any kind of spoiler that you might want to add to that, along with school board light or scorebook live and gridiron icons, you know, what do you got going on? Yeah, that's pretty much it right there. I've got uh, some stuff. You, I think I've told you guys uh, what I'm possibly going to be doing next. Well, what, well, uh, verbally, it's already been agreed to. I don't know if I should say it on here since it's not in paper, but got something uh, that I'm starting new uh, beginning with football season. But I've, and I've also got some things in the works that I'm doing, like for myself individually, like a website and all that, which I'll kind of, once it's actually built and everything I'll, I'll release that but yeah right now it's just uh, I mean we're starting football this week tomorrow I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m start football previews I, I like to do that you know a couple of days a week wake up at 5 a.m when nobody's up around the house and I can get a bunch of stuff done and that's the thing we're, we're starting we're, we're diving head first getting we're going to start releasing football previews in I think mid-July so I got that going on but yeah gridiron icons is is a it's a basically a coaches podcast where I interview legendary high school football coaches in Arkansas. And I just tell their life. I tell their career. Uh, so far I've done guys like, uh, you know, Don Campbell, who before he passed became a, a great friend of mine I still, you know, to this day, miss that man being able to give him a call and talk about football from the seventies and the eighties had a great impact on me in the nine months that I know I knew him. Uh, Tommy Tice, who coached more football games in the history of Arkansas than anybody. Mike Malham, I recently did the second winningest coach of all time. And you can just type in gridiron icons, Arkansas's greatest high school coaches on uh it's mainly just on spotify there's some of them that are on apple but since i've since sb live picked it up we're only on spotify right now hopefully we'll get to apple at some point but yeah that's that's probably you know one of the my favorite things that i do right now because we talked about the impact that we had you know on the kids the athletes but it really means a lot to the families and to the former players to have their coaches lives documented because other than old articles they don't have that so to hear their hear it through there as i recently did Rick Jones from Greenwood, um, you know, that's now on Eli Drinkwitz's staff at, at Mizzou and, and hearing things from his perspective, which was incredible. I mean, he's a legend in Oklahoma and Arkansas. He built a legacy there uh, in both places. So I'm just, man, I mean, more than anything, I'm just like kind of Porter, like you mentioned, you know, it's a brotherhood, you know, we've all helped each other out, but I, I'm just grateful. You know, when I came back from San Antonio and I had to clean myself up from a big mess, you know, I, I remember as soon as I crossed that state line from Texarkana into Arkansas, you know, I told myself that, that life's going to be a lot different. I, I'm not going to be the same Kyle that, that people knew when I left for San Antonio in 2017. I, you know, I made a lot of mistakes. I, I, I did some things that were way out of my character when I was in Arkansas before and when I was in San Antonio. And, you know, since then I, I feel like that I've, I've kept that promise to myself and, you know, first and foremost, I'm a I'm father and I'm a husband. But other than that, you know, I, I'm all about this state. I love Arkansas. I love our sports. I love our athletes and I love our people. And so that's really at the end of the day, as long as I'm taking care of all that, then I feel like I'm living a pretty good life. Well, you always know you have a second home here. I mean, anytime, anytime to come on, chop it up with us, talk about your ventures, everything you're going on, you know, you're always welcome on this the podcast and Jacob, I don't know. You got anything else before we wrap this thing up or. I think Jacob might yeah, be I think muted. He might muted. He put his headphones back on. There he is. I, there you go. <laughs> You're back. I'm trying on, to baby. find that Tennessee. W. Oh, hold yeah. on just a second. If you're talking about the L you threw it behind your you back. I, about to... I think you, uh, yeah. There we go. Got to get one more in. That's right. Because I'll tell you what, somebody gave me crap for mentioning it during the game, and I was like, you know what, for every rule there's an exception, and Tennessee is that exception. We've been talking about them all year, and it, it was good for them to take that L. So, But that will do it for another live episode of the Hog Talk Podcast. Yeah. For Jacob Davis, Kyle Sutherland, I'm Porter Hayes, and we will catch you next week.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.